Great British Drafting Show, an exclusive off-season series where we'll be taking a weekly look at the 2020 NFL Draft and how the Panthers might approach it. Uh, we're a proud part of the Riot Network, which is powered by Ortho Carolina. That's all your Panthers podcasts you could possibly want, all in one place. If you do enjoy the show this week, uh, please do be sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts so that other Panthers fans can find and enjoy the show too. Uh, my name's Ollie. I'm one of the leaders of the Royal Riot here in the UK, and I'll be your host right up to the draft. Uh, thankfully, though, I am joined by our resident draft guru, Mr. Vincent Richardson. How are you doing this week, sir? I, I am good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Good. Very good. Uh, go, going away shortly, so um, pretty Very exciting. nice. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Um, so let's crack right into it then. We've we've got a fair bit to cover, um, uh, which is <laughs> coverage is probably a, a good word for for this particular podcast because we are going to be looking at the cornerbacks, um, and this is one of those other positions, and it seems like there's a lot of them <laughs> on the Panthers roster that's that's quite interesting and has got you know a few unknowns and, and a few factors to consider um you know with, with with the bradbury situation for example i mean before we go on to the draft what's your take on, on what the panthers do here i mean uh, for me I, I i struggle to see how he, he's back with the panthers unless he just doesn't get the money he wants in free agency i think the last week or so the the noise has all been very much towards bradbury moving on um and the money that's been talked about sort of, you know 15 million dollars a year plus i that, as good as Bradbury is, I don't think this is the time when the Panthers can can justify spending that on a corner. And they'd be better just, you know, saving the cap, taking the comp pick, moving on and accepting that they're going to need to rebuild again at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, re- rebuilding is, is the, the the word of the day, really, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> we say this pretty much every week and it's what we're doing. And yeah, one, one extra position that we have to the rebuilding just it doesn't seem like too much of a big deal when you're pretty much rebuilding everywhere. No. Um, obviously, we've also got um, Dante Jackson, who you know I'm personally a big fan of because I, I just really enjoy listening to him. I enjoy watching him play. Um, there's certainly some times I've watched him where it's like his tackling has been a little bit weak. Um, and sometimes I think, you know, and I'm not trying to be an expert here, but it feels like he's using his speed to make up for some deficiencies in, in, in some of his um, perhaps his sort of mental side of the game where he, he anticipates and reads the game. Um, what about you? What do you think? Am I, do you think I'm talking nonsense or, or would you? No, I mean, I, I, I don't think he's ever going to be an amazing tackler. I just, I don't, I, I think he, there are re- several reasons to bet against him in that regard, but I think he, he, you know, that's something where he can continue to work on at least get better and be fine. If nothing else, um, I think in coverage, I think he, his footwork is still not amazing. He gets quite a bit tight-hipped at times, and I think sometimes in zone he's a little bit um, unimpressive. Um, don't get me wrong; like he did a lot of really nice things as a rookie, and he continued to show the upside as a second-year player. You just kind of you do you know he's got a chance over the next season or two to show that he can take that next step and be a reliable outside option. Um, before he, he, he's, his contract's due. So I think the Panthers can take the next couple of years to take a longer look at him. I think the other thing that I, I didn't mention when we talked about Bradbury, but I think is worth mentioning, is that I think if Bradbury does walk, they don't just hand the other starting position to a rookie and just go completely back as they did in 2016. I think 
if I would, I would, I would at least have thought there'd be some interest in bringing Ross Cockrell back if they let Bradbury walk, just so you have one veteran who's kind of familiar that that can, you know, mean that you don't have to force a rookie in or force or go out and sign a veteran, just just some bit of continuity. So unless the money on Cockrell is silly, I'd have thought there's a decent chance that he is back and that you kind of you go into the draft with with Jackson and Cockrell, and then it's about finding players to develop behind them, um, so that they're not, you know, you don't aren't reliant on both players being part of the picture long term. Yeah, and, and the other thing with Jackson as well, before we move on to the draft, is um, you know watching All or Nothing when, when it followed the Panthers, he, he didn't come across amazingly well in that. Did he? <laughs> it felt like they painted him in a pretty bad light. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also there's always a bit with those kind of things where they are also trying to paint a narrative, and so you know I'm not sure those kind of programs necessarily sort of excel at nuance. Um, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take that into account that much I, I think it's one of those things where you just you know it's a new coaching staff everyone's got a fairly blank slate let the guy prove himself and he'll show himself one way or the other over the next couple of seasons so just just I think patience is the word of the day for now cool so that's a quick recap recap of where we are at the moment at cornerback let's get into the draft um how good is this class um I think it's quite good I don't think it's um sort of exceptional in the way the receiver class is but I think it, I think it is quite a strong cornerback class I think there are probably more first round corners that I like this year um is you know two basically um that, than, than some previous years I think you know quite often cornerbacks uh, are a very risky position to draft just because the game is so different at the NFL level for a lot of them um but this this is this is one of the the the, the stronger cornerback classes I can remember though it isn't sort of of the the strength that the the receiver class is Okay, what about the the position of, of cornerback then? So, you know, as you said um, in the last episode, you know, we looked at wide receivers. This time we're looking, you know, flipping the coin, looking at the other side. Um, does that make the skill sets required to be a cornerback almost quite similar or completely opposite <laughs> to a wide receiver? No, they, they are quite similar. I mean, I think the one thing that, that is different about cornerbacks than than for the other defensive, mostly other defensive positions is that, Whereas safeties largely play quite a bit of zone, particularly sort of you know free safeties or anyone who's not playing at the line will play quite a bit of zone. Um, you know, cornerbacks, how they're used varies massively between schemes. So some schemes will have people playing press man at the line every snap, and so there there is a greater emphasis on movement skills, footwork, deep speed, uh, balance uh, and agility. Um, whereas defenses that play a lot more zone there the sort of the 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 quickness and the speed are obviously are nice to have but aren't as important as things like the ability to process and ball skills that you're you know you're going to give up some receptions but you're looking for 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 plays that counter those so interceptions and pass breakups so depending on exactly what you want to do from a scheme point of view different guys are going to have different values so you know seattle and um tampa bay are going to view cornerbacks differently should we say um, however, there are generally the core set of skills is those those movement skills. Um, ball skills are quite nice, but you want you, you need speed to play cornerback, just different levels for different schemes. And also, you do want people to have some ability to, to play the run. You don't want guys who just can't get off blocks or whose tackling is a complete nightmare. So it, it's it's primarily about coverage, but the the run defense and sort of actually making plays on ball carriers can't be a complete catastrophe either. 
Uh, so apologies if there are some issues with uh, lag on, on our feed here. But um, just to go back to something you said a moment ago, uh, Vincent, yep. about um, how Tampa and Seattle are going to use cornerbacks completely differently. Um, how, what do you mean by that? How are they going to scheme up differently to use cornerbacks in a different way? So Tampa Bay, at least um, under Todd Bowles, uh, you play quite a lot of man. Um, they, they, at least I, I, from what I've seen, at least, I mean, I, I'm not an expert on Tampa Bay's defense, so, so apologies if this is not the best portrayal, but, but the sort of, say, if you go back to the classic Rex Ryan defense, which is sort of a, a, a maybe a better comparison, there's a lot of man coverage. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're asking your corners to play on an island a lot. Um, and that requires cornerbacks who are really good. And those cornerbacks maybe aren't going to have the ball production because they're not asked to. Like a Darrell Rivas, as good as he was, didn't have like the upper tiers of interceptions because he just wasn't throwing the ball that much. And that wasn't really what his job was. But you're asking cornerbacks to just take away receivers. And then you're trusting your pass rush to get home. And, and, and the pass rush is going to create the negative plays. Um, whereas Seattle have played historically like a very sort of classic cover three defense where where you've got the cornerbacks are largely playing the deep thirds. You're looking for ball processing in zone. You want them to be able to create plays on the ball and you accept that you're going to give away some underneath receptions, but you're looking to basically take away the deep ball completely um, and then and then get get the interceptions to to reward the inter- the underneath receptions you might you might give back so richard sherman is a prime example of someone who maybe isn't going to be the best like man press corner but if you want like a, a deep third zone corner he's just excellent you know there are there are not numerous examples but but sherman's probably one of the best okay so um, with that in mind obviously being two very different ways of setting up and and completely different skill sets needed um what do we know about our new coaching staff and and how they set up and do you see them sort of setting up sort of somewhere in the middle or, or perhaps at one of the extreme ends of the scale i think the current defense is a almost complete question mark i think in a way what you can kind of do is 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 just take good players and build flexibility around it i i, I mean if you look at what baylor did last year with phil snow i i mean i don't think that's applicable to the nfl i mean it was really fun to watch but i i haven't seen a defense play like that and, and maybe they will and maybe it'll be fascinating and completely different to anything the nfl has seen um but i think it will be it will it will be a little bit built around the players they have i think it'll be quite a pragmatic and quite flexible defense i would be surprised if they then go like the full whole hog man coverage every play on the back end partly because that requires you to have really good cornerbacks generally um but i i think they're probably unlikely to I'd have thought it'd be something of a hybrid, a bit like most like most NFL defenses generally play a little bit of a hybrid. There are just some examples on either extreme where teams just play like the Lions, I think, play a lot of a lot of man coverage um, and the, the Seahawks play very little man coverage, or at least have done historically. So there are extremes on either end where players just won't suit different teams or will be particularly suited to different teams. Um, but but there are also most teams, other thought plans would be on, on the most teams in the middle, which are, are a balance of different coverages. And it's more about exactly what combination they do to maximise the players they have. Mm. And they said Baylor is unlike anything you've ever seen before in the NFL. What, what do you mean by that? What was so different about it? If I mean, I, I didn't watch every bit of Baylor game, but I watched a few and they played three safeties a lot of the time and almost had like a it was really weird. Like they play like a three, four, but they didn't really have edge rushes at times. They just have like three down linesmen, then like three linebackers, two outside corners and then like three high like safeties who moved around. 
and it it just it was really weird it's really fun like you know you, you've effectively got three down linemen at, at any one point in time they had re- really good defensive lines which is part of the reason they could do it but like a lot of the time particularly late in the season when it got into sort of like the serious games sort of the bowl games and stuff they they were playing some some really fun coverages where they, they you know they'd effectively have like three safeties start and then they, they would as soon as the snap broke the three safeties would just you know one would go down and play the running back two would one would drop deep and either you'd go into a cover three or a cover two like it, you know from a from a you know, confusing the hell out of, um, you know, college quarterbacks. I'm sure it worked really well. The issue is in the NFL is teams, if they know you're going to do that, they're just going to line up and run the ball at you, basically, because you've got three players plus cornerbacks deep off the line. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it works. And whether you may, Maybe Phil Snow has found a way that you can actually function this against the run, even in the NFL. And But I, I, I haven't seen an NFL defense play that way. I'll put it that way. If I run defense last year, is anything to go by? <laughs> it's probably yeah. not going to expose us to more more uh, risk at, at, at defending the run. Yeah, you, you, you'd hope not. But I mean, it, you only really know how it's going to work until so, you know, when someone tries it. So you know, if you're rebuilding, you might as well try this batshit idea. And, and actually, if it works, then then great. <laughs> then then you end up being lauded as a, a Carl Shanahan or a Sean McVay and you're a genius. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, let's get into the board then. So uh, what we've done uh, as previously, um, we've graded these guys into groups. Um, but your first group has just two standout candidates in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's CJ Henderson and Jeff Okuda. Yes. Which you elite prospects that you, you've identified in, in this class yeah i mean for me it's kind of akuda a fairly decent gap henderson a fairly decent gap everybody else um so akuda is i think almost in everyone's book the best cornerback in this class and and he is on tape like his footwork is really good he's he's got good deep speed he's got ball skills he's he he, he moves really well he can mirror um, and actually, I think the thing that's also really nice is that he gets off blocks well and he's a really good tackler as well. Like he is, you know, it, it, particularly for man coverage schemes, he's just kind of the, the complete cornerback. I, I think he's 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 one of the the best man cover cornerbacks I've seen. Um, where the reason why I've grouped these two together is not because I think they're necessarily the same in terms of their grade, but I think they do the same things well. And I think that so if you look at Henson again, great movement skills, great ability to mirror in, in man coverage incredibly smooth back pedal possibly even sort of quicker um than akuda a little bit smaller as well which is worth mentioning um and you know really both of them got really excellent footwork i think what separates them for me is that akuda is a really good run defender you know he is he is you know you'd have no worry about him transferring in that regard whereas henderson is a little bit contact shy uh, technically he's not the best tackler and also there are times when he sort of looks a little bit hesitant and sort of makes you know business decisions effectively um i i i don't think that's necessarily a, a huge huge problem but i think that does drop him a bit for me the fact that he he isn't the most willing or physical of players um i think what i would also say about both of them is as as excellent as they are in man coverage and as great as their movement skills are because both of them played a lot of man coverage and when they played zone it was usually the deep third um cornerback like if you're a defense that plays a lot of like read and react underneath zone with your cornerbacks, I mean, one, you probably won't be drafting a cornerback in the first because that's not how your defense values people. But also that isn't how these two guys were asked to play a ton in college. So if you're it's sort of underneath zone instincts are a major part of your cornerback play, 
that's something you'd want to probe not because they're bad at it but that just wasn't that wasn't how they were used um so i think they're guys who can immediately offer great value as man coverage players and if you play a lot of zone they have the movement skills to be great even if they maybe need a bit of time to get used to to, to the details of those kind of coverages because that is, just isn't how they've been used okay so they're obviously your well i mean sort of 1a and 1b i guess more than more than yeah i mean i do have akuda a fair amount ahead of Henderson. like like akuda is one henson is two but but they are a clear gap between them and everyone else would be how i'd put it okay so let's um start looking at the, the next sort of level that you've got which is sort of high level um sort of developmental prospects um and you've got uh, Trevon Diggs, uh, Noah Igbenogin. We're going to have th- a th- bit of a guess. I think it's Igbenogane is how I've heard it Ig- pronounced. That sounds more likely. I was, um, I'll was, i hang my head in shame for that one. Uh, <laughs> and then Thakabas Keys as um, your third option on yes. here. So, um, I mean, just how far behind are they from those, those well, certainly from CJ Henderson? Uh, I think they're a fair gap. I mean, like, so these aren't necessarily my three next best cornerbacks. So I think there is, you know, there's, there's Diggs and there's a bit of a gap and there's Igbenogany and there's a bit of a gap and then there's Keys. Um, I, I think there's a reasonable gap between them because I think essentially their best case scenario is what Akuda and Henderson already are. Um, but all three have got really good movement skills. You know, Diggs especially moves incredibly well for a player of his size. Igma Nogane is a receiver convert like in the last two or three years and and so for him like some of the footwork and stuff I think it needs a bit more work but again really fast moves really quite well big physical good at good at the line um and Keys isn't quite of the same standard but I think he again shows some really quite nice movement skills and quickness um there are some things he needs tightening up technically as all three of them do but um he he also offers some I think some really nice upside as a particularly as a, like a man coverage outside corner um i think where the reason why i have them a step below is that all three of them need to tighten up technically uh trayvon diggs plays like a player with an immense amount of talent who's never really had to focus in on the details of how to play the position and has so far got away with it because he's an insane athlete however like his footwork is really quite sloppy he quite often he'll just stand like four yards deep and just not move his feet until the receiver passes him and like nfl receivers if you do that are just gonna blow right past you like he needs to move his feet more early in 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 the snap like he needs to be more disciplined in his backpedal and stuff he can't just rely on being this insane athlete uh igbenogane is again literally still learning the position so like it's understandable he needs development but he needs to continue to grow at a reasonable rate um whereas keys so keys is like the small school guy he came out to lane and like he shows some really nice footwork and stuff and like he isn't like completely raw but again played a lot of man coverage didn't play much zone so it's hard to judge him in that react um in that regard um and also like footwork needs to tighten up a little bit and also like his press is there are some great snaps of him in press but he is probably a little bit over aggressive and could probably do with like toning it down 10 percent. and while that would mean he doesn't have the snaps where he just completely like flattens a guy at the line it also means there aren't snaps where he misjudges it and ends up chasing the guy for the first you know five yards of the of, of the of the snap so I, I think all three can be really good like number one cornerbacks i just think all three also need some some work but i think the other thing that's important to know is i think all three can also play like a variety of schemes so like with akuda and henderson i don't think they're really tied into playing one particular scheme it's just that whatever scheme you play they're gonna they're gonna need some work Okay, let's let's expand on that and, and scheme and the importance of scheme. Then, um, you know, clearly we we talked about you know, 
if we take wide receivers and, and the different types of wide receiver out there, we've already touched on that with, with cornerbacks as well today and how you've got, you know, the real sort of ball hawk guys and there's this sort of differences within the types of cornerback. But just how important is scheme in terms of when a team is looking at the draft and they're thinking, is this guy going to fit into what we do? Or is, you know, is is it a bit of a one size fits all? I'm guessing not from what you've just said. No, no, I think I think it's also like so. So there are some cornerbacks who can play like a wide variety of schemes and who, for for whom like realistically like any team would get value out of Jeff Okuda. It's just different schemes will get different levels of value out of him. There are also guys, and these are the guys I think we're probably going to talk about next, where 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 they are kind of their value is very dependent on scheme. So guys, you know, Richard Sherman's a great example of someone who was, who, you know, obviously was horrendously underdrafted, but was massively um, helped by the scheme he was asked to play in. That doesn't mean he wouldn't be a great cornerback regardless, but, but the, the, that cover three scheme emphasized his strengths and kind of hid his weaknesses a little bit. And so there are, there are guys who have, you know, things they can't do very well, that doesn't mean they're not good cornerbacks and because when they're used correctly they can be really good but if you misuse them they're going to really struggle and so they are how good they end up being I think is very strongly tied to to which scheme they end up in and I think that there's, there's certainly a couple of guys towards the top of the, the, the position group in the draft for whom for whom where where they end up is going to be hugely important to who they become as pros okay so I mean with that in mind then have you are there players that, sort of cornerbacks specifically, obviously, that are what you might just describe as, as a specialist cornerback that are really, really bloody good at one thing? Much like we spoke about with wide receivers, you got yeah those you know, third down guys, and you've got the you know the, the speedsters, and it, do you have something similar within the, the, the cornerback position? Yeah, so there's a couple of guys who I, who, I, who I think are really good players, but I think they're they're just very tied to one particular usage. So the highest of those is Christian Fulton, um, who is getting some first round love. And the first time I watched him, I had no idea why. And then I watched more games and saw him used slightly differently and thought, okay, now I, I like I know there are things he really can't do, but there are things he does really well as well. So if you play Fulton as like a man press bail corner. Um, he's really good. Like his, he he actually transitions really well out of press. His footwork in press is pretty good. He uses his hands well to get on guys. And actually, when he's when he's trailing receivers, he can follow them really well. Like it, you know, his, his hips are quite tight generally. But when he's largely running in a straight line, and when it's more about subtle changes in direction, he's actually pretty good. Um, however, if you're going to play him in off coverage, and particularly if you're going to play him in zone. He does not move laterally very well at all. Like he's really going to struggle to 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 cover space in any other direction but going forwards. So if if you're asking him to 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 bail in cover three or you're asking him to move laterally underneath zone, he looks really uncomfortable. Uh, his 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 you know he doesn't come out of his break very well coming down to the ball in in off coverage. Um, I'm not sure he actually reads the game hugely well in zone either. But like his when he has to move laterally, he looks so uncomfortable. But then you put him in press and you ask him to, to you know, bump and run and, and he looks really smooth and, and it's all fine. And he opens his hips up well in that regard and, 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 and it's all fine. So, I mean, I think I would, the fact that he is so different in different coverages, coverages would does lower his value, because even if you're a scheme that plays a lot of like bump and run, um, you, you're going to be a little bit concerned about the fact that you know that if you try and do anything else with him, he's probably going to really struggle. But if you do play like 95% bump and run, 
he, he could be a really good cornerback for you. Then on the complete other end of the spectrum, I think AJ Terrell out of Clemson, who actually tested really well. And so I think his, for him, it's less about speed. And like his speed shows up well on tape, but just that um, if you ask him to make like quick movements to, to mirror receivers in man, he, his hips look really tight and he, he, he doesn't really um, like change direction very well. And if you've got receivers who are running more subtle routes, like he, he doesn't particularly like at the route head, he, he struggles to, to, to mirror in those situations. But he's actually, when he's in back, like in zone, his back pedal's really nice and smooth. He breaks on the ball really well. Um, he's got good hands. Um, you know, he, he can play a bit of press, although I think he needs to get a little bit better um in that regard and like he he can he's i think in a way i don't think he's quite as good at his best as fulton but i think he probably is a little bit more flexible but i think he was found he would be much higher in a zone scheme where he can you know particularly like a cover three scheme where he's got the speed to go vertical he's got a really nice back pedal in zone he transitions out of it really well he breaks on the ball well and has good hands like he he for someone like seattle would make so much more sense for him than someone who's going to play him in a lot of man coverage so he he's got the other end of the spectrum to to Fulton where he's going to be so much better in like a cover three type defense. Yeah, so I mean these these guys who are specialists then do they do they run the risk of, of being drafted lower because they are so specialist? I mean, you know, if you take McCaffrey for example, who is kind of people called him the Swiss Army knife, and we we hear that every year in the draft, they always talk about a player who can do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and when you do have someone who is a specialist, is is there almost the danger of them falling down the, the, the draft boards because it's their their skill set is so niche, and so you might only have a couple of teams that need a player like that, and suddenly that those teams need, have bigger requirements elsewhere. They can end up being pretty talented at what they do, but taking actually quite late on, if at all. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think both these guys are going to go in the first like two or three rounds. So I think f- for the players who are genuinely good, that isn't an issue. It's more an issue for guys who are kind of more sort of say depth options. Like sensibly, like good players get drafted because teams teams can see what players are good at and they'll find a way to work it in. Um, but I do think it's definitely a, a bit where, say, say um, Fulton is viewed by some teams as a first round pick. I mean, for me, I think that's still a little bit high. But 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 if 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 you're Detroit and you're looking to trade right down to the end of the first round, I could see how you could maybe justify taking him. But but it, but if you're if you know if if the sort of the the handful of teams that play a lot of like bump and run man press coverage, if they're not looking for corners, or if, if say Detroit go go Akuda at, at three. I, you know, there aren't that many teams that can take Christian Fulton and make the most of him. Terrell is a bit more versatile, so I'm not that worried with him. I just think his value would be higher in a in a cover three team. But but yeah, th- th- there are definitely guys where where the number of schemes that you actually fit is relatively limited. I think the other way you see this is guys like Brian Burns, where there are defenses where there just isn't a role for Brian Burns, um, and or he would have to have changed his game significantly. So I th- I think it shows up not just at corner but at other positions too, where 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 guys, I don't think it's sort of quite a sort of like specialist specialist. Very often, I'm in Fulton, probably the, the more extreme example in that regard. But there are certainly guys for whom, you know, some one team might have a second round grade and one team might have a fifth round grade in him. So, you know, it, it, it does matter a lot that the teams that, that would suit you also need someone in your position. And I think team players could potentially get a bit unlucky in that regard. Cool. OK, so in, in terms of uh, this is a 
a common theme that we talk about on these episodes is, is developmental options. So yeah, those guys that aren't ready, but there's huge amounts of upside to them. Um, yeah. Have you got anyone out in, in that sort of area? Um, yeah. So like uh, Reggie Robinson, I think is probably the best example of that. Um, so where, where, so he's uh, from Tulsa. And I don't think he's got quite the same sort of ceiling as sort of the higher developmental option guys like Trayvon Diggs and stuff. But I think he's he's you know he could be a a a, a, a start a good starting cornerback, um, particularly you know, actually I think he could probably play play zone or man. But um, he moves quite well. He seems to read the game quite well. You know his his press is 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 pretty good and his footwork's pretty good. Um, but I think he, he you know he just needs to get better in in a number of regards like he just needs tightening up and stuff and i i don't think he's ever going to be a, a star cornerback but like if you were looking for for say a replacement for a cockerel someone who can be sort of a two or a three cornerback but whom you know is never going to be the star robinson is maybe more someone who could be seen as that rather than someone who's going to come in and replace james bradbury so i think yeah i think he's the the the, the guy in the middle there are some other people who tested really well um, who 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 might be seen as just complete you know build from the ground up type players, but are the players who show like a reasonable level of competence on tape. Um, Reggie Robinson's the main one. Um, the, the only other people I think it's worth talking about before we sort of move on to to some of the guys who maybe I've, I'm a little bit lower on than than, than some others is um, uh, Dane Jackson and Damon Arnett, um, who I think both can be you know talking about the Cockrell type player. I think both of them are options to be like solid good cornerbacks though they're probably never going to be number one corners um jackson is doesn't quite have the 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 ball production like although it's it's it's, it's not terrible but like he's not a, a ball hawk by any means um and does definitely need to 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 to, to you know if you're gonna play a lot of zone i'm not sure he's he's gonna be the best corner for you i think he's more of like a man man corner though i think he you know he's versatile he's just not gonna have um as much success in zone but he moves really quite well. Um, he's good run defender. He's got pretty good deep speed. Uh, his footwork is is fairly fairly well developed. Um, and I think if you're looking for the Panthers, if you're looking say in the middle rounds and you're looking for a, a number three, number four corner, um, I think Dane Jackson would be a really good option there. And maybe could be maybe could be like a number two option at the at the, at the very best case scenario. But also could potentially play nickel, which is something that's worth considering as well. Um, Arnett is. He's the other Ohio State corner, and I think he does more nice things. Like his ceiling is probably a bit higher than Jackson, and is maybe more somewhere between like the developmental and ready to play depth type guy. But like his his actual uh, footwork needs tight, quite a fair amount of tightening up. It's a bit clunky, um, and his press um, suffers through lack of footwork. Like I don't think he's ever going to be like a, a lockdown man corner. I think he's probably more suited towards zone in the way that Jackson's more suited toward man. Um, but I think he 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 does a lot of nice things. He reads the game quite well. He, he's got good ball skills and stuff. Um, I just think he he needs to tighten up his footwork, particularly if you want to play him in much man. So I think those are sort of those three are probably more like day late day two, early day three options who could be interesting options for the Panthers. Okay, great. So I mean, you you touched on it briefly then, um, talking about some guys who are getting a lot of love um, but perhaps you're a bit lower on and this is just my favorite part of every episode <laughs> I, I like to hear you giving your reasoning and and you know stake your claim as to why everyone else is talking nonsense <laughs> yeah. so um 
let's have a talk about some of these. If we start with just a couple, um, perhaps Jalen Johnson, Bryce Hall. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start with Jalen Johnson. So I don't hate Jalen Johnson. I think he's like a, a perfectly decent cornerback prospect, but I, I've seen people talking about it like a second round option. I just don't see him to quite that level. I think he, 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 you know, he's clearly very quick. Um, and I think he shows some nice things. Like I think his footwork isn't terrible. Um, and I think he's a pretty good run defender and he, you know, he, he is like, it press is actually not too bad. Um, in terms of his, like certainly his hand usage is pretty good, but his footwork generally is really quite choppy and stuff. And I think he's going to struggle. He played quite a lot of man at Utah and I don't think his footwork is good enough to play a lot of man um, at the moment. Like I think he needs quite a lot of work and I'm not totally sure whether he's got the movement skills that he's ever going to be great in that regard. Um, I think he also, the other thing that's worth mentioning is like quite often, I think he got quite handsy as a way of dealing with that, even at the college level, which is not a great sign. If you want to play him in a ton of man, I think probably where his his value lies as a ceiling is probably as a zone corner. The issue is he wasn't really asked to do that a ton at Utah. So if you, if you, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he was quite a good zone corner down the line. The issue is that just wasn't how he was used at Utah. So if, if you do want to play him in that regard, you're going to have to sort of trust that you can teach him to be that guy because at the moment he's he's like a zone corner who's been playing man. And so you kind of what what he's it's a bit like not exactly the same but but a bit like some of the people we talk about the receivers where like how they were used in college and how they're going to be used in the nfl are quite different and i think he's a guy who who is going to need to make quite a transition stylistically um in in the nfl after being mostly a man corner in college um yeah other guy bryce hall um i'm i'm I don't think he's going to be able to play much man coverage at all. Like I don't, I don't think. Although his backpedaling zone is really quite nice. Like when he was asked to play in man, um, he 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 really struggled. Um, I, I, I I think he he's not going to be able to play man coverage at all. I think he is a, a very much pure zone corner in the NFL. And although like he you know he does a lot of nice things well. He's a you know it's it, it, it there's a lot to like with him on tape. Like he he he's a good run defender. He's got pretty good press ability like his ball skills are pretty good um and he, he you know he competes well at the catch point and, and you know breaking on the ball and working back the ball he's actually really quite good i just i'm i'm not amazed i i i have some concerns about his ability to actually process zone uh in, in front of him i think there were too many times where where he seemed to sort of lose his man in zone and looked didn't really just didn't really stand out um in zone he looked very passive at times and i think for someone who is going to going to have to be a zone corner i think that's that's that concerns me enough that i'm i'd struggle to really recommend him again he's sort of in the same category of johnson where like i it's not that i can't see him being successful there's just enough that that causes me concern that i'm i'm not going to sort of jump all aboard and sort of say yeah this guy's great he's he's wonderful they're more for me they're more probably early uh, early day three options as guys where the ceiling is there but they're going to need a reasonable amount of work or at least where i have a, an, enough to to make me pause that I'm not going to go all on board with them. Okay, now you, you've got a, another few guys that, again, are getting a lot of love, but you're a little bit lower on. So, um, again, just take another couple here. You've got Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler. Yeah, I mean, Dantzler had a, a nightmare of a combine. So I think he's maybe someone who's then fallen down a little bit again. Um, and again, there are things to like, like in a straight line, he, he's not terrible on tape. Like I know he didn't test one the combine, but that doesn't that that actually isn't the worst thing about him on tape. I think where the 
the concern is that his footwork is just all over the place. Um, like he, his hips look really tight, um, and, and like he struggles to 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 adjust to to repeat changes of movements and stuff. Like I I'd, I'd be really concerned about him playing a lot of man coverage. I think he's you know he's another guy who I think if you're gonna play you know he's gonna have to play zone coverage to be a to be an effective uh, NFL player. And I think the issue there is that while he's got the frame of like a really good cover three cornerback, I, I I'm not again not hugely impressed at his ability to 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 process stuff. But more importantly, like he just seems to lose the ball far too much, and and he doesn't have particularly good ball skills. So I, I'm not sure. Although I can see him being like an okay zone defender, I just don't know what the upside is with him. Other than the fact that he's got really long arms and is a big long corner, it, it's he, if you're looking at long corners, he doesn't have the movement skills of someone like a James Bradbury, and he doesn't have the ball skills of someone like a, a Richard Sherman. I'm just I'm not sure I'm not sure what the best case scenario that you're selling is there for someone who is not going to create a ton of interceptions, but also can't really play anything other than zone. So I just I don't know what the the best case scenario is that people are selling. Um, with Gladney, again, like I don't think he's getting first round love. I think he's seen more of a day two guy who I'm again would say he's more of like an early day three guy. So it's not he's one of the less extreme ones. But again, like uh, his footwork is just in need of a lot of work. Like he's I think he might be able to play a bit of man and he is a pretty good run defender. And there are there are again, there are things to like with him on tape. Like he's not just a complete hopeless case, but he needs I think he needs a lot more work than people seem to, to seem to think. And while again, it doesn't rule out that he could be a successful player. You know, there are a lot of players in this draft who've got things to like that could do with a lot of work. And I don't know why you'd prefer Jeff Gladney over a Neville Clark or even like a, 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 a Michael um, Ojemadia. Like there, there's there's a, a load of different players who are all in the same category. And I'm not sure why. I think the thing with guys like Johnson and Gladney is not that they're they're bad. I just don't see why they're being elevated over other players who are fairly similar and, and, and have, in my mind, just as much chance of being decent. Um the last guy who is in this grouping who I'll, I'll mention before we sort of begin to wrap up is um, Lamar Jackson. Yes, not that Lamar Jackson. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think the thing with him is like, so he is a really big, again, big long corner. And there is this thing the NFL does, particularly certain schemes like cover three schemes tend to like these big long cornerbacks. And like, that's kind of justifiable and stuff. But I think there's also then a tendency of any guy who measures in at like six two, six three to suddenly be seen as like, well, you know, could be a day two option for a for a cover three team. And again, I think he's just, you know, what he is as a physical specimen is not what he is on tape. Like his footwork is is really sloppy. I don't think he can play man at all. I think he's again another guy who's definitely just going to have to be like, a, you know, his only chance is being as like a cover three outside um, corner. And that's you know not the end of the world. But uh, again really tight hips and seems to struggle with repeated movements like uh you know doesn't transition particularly well at all um while while he's like he's okay like he can get to the deep third like he's not going to get beaten over the top very much um i just i think he's just going to give up so many receptions underneath because he struggles to transition out of it um like although although he's okay coming back to the ball like and he's okay going deep like if you ask him to transition between bailing and breaking on the ball like he looks really clunky there and any kind of man coverage stuff i think is completely beyond him i think he again like with dantzler he has the frame of the of a of a cover three um cornerback i just um i'm i'm not sure he has the upside that you'd want to see him as anything other than sort of a a, a day three maybe like uh, you, you know if if you play a lot of cover three maybe he could be your backup corner but I'm, I'm i'm not sure i see him as anything more than that 
Okay, so that wraps up the guys that we want to talk about. So let's now move back to the Panthers and mm-hmm. consider, you know, what the Panthers could or, or should <laughs> do when it comes to cornerback. I mean, do you, do you see us getting involved in the cornerback market? I guess with Bradbury, we're probably going to have to address it somewhere. But are we are we going to actually address that in the draft or, or look more to free agency? Do you think? So I think, I think again, I'll, I'll say this almost every week. I think just because we're going to lose somebody doesn't mean that you then have to replace them this year. Like, it, you know, it seems like the Panthers are going to lose an awful lot of people and you can't fill every hole in one off season. Like, it, it's a rebuild for a reason. Um, however, I mean, Jeff Okuda is getting some love at seven. I'm not even sure he's going to be there at seven. But I think if he is on the board at seven, I think you have to really consider that. I think, it, it, again, it's hard to know, not knowing what the defensive scheme is going to be. But... I think he shows every indication of being an, uh, like a, a really good number one cornerback. And I think that's that's a reasonable use of the number seven pick, even in a really deep draft like this. Um, CJ Henderson is is the only other guy who I think is really going to any consideration for the Panthers in the first round, or at least I would hope. I think he's more someone who they could consider if they traded back. Um, but again, uh, he's someone who I think tested really well, and there's a chance that he gets sort of like top 10 kind of draft stock potentially, or at least certainly top 15, and that would be a little bit rich for me. Like I think he's more of like a second back end of the first round type prospect. So if he is there in the back end of the first round and they trade down, I think he could be part of the conversation. But um, otherwise, I think he might go a little bit too high for me. Uh, again, it's hard to know exactly because you're not sure what scheme the Panthers are going to play. Like, if they are going to play a lot of man, Christian Fulton might be an option on day two. If they're going to play a lot of zone, maybe AJ Terrell. But it really, you know, it's going to depend a lot on what they do. I think where I might, I mean, my personal preference for cornerbacks generally is to just take a lot of them, not particularly high, and hope that one of them works out. And that, you, you can complement that with also taking someone like a, a Cuda at seven. But because you're going to need more than one cornerback, probably, because if you're replacing Bradbury and long-term Cockrell, and you don't really have a classic nickel either, even if you keep Dante Jackson, you probably need four good cornerbacks to be a, a seriously good secondary. So, like, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if you took, like, a, a Dane Jackson in, like, the, the fifth or the sixth to be your number four cornerback. I think that might make some sense. Like, that's good value there. And if you then took a punt on a Keys or a Robinson on day three as well, to maybe try and develop them into more of like your number two, maybe even your number one in the case of Keys, cornerback. Like, I think that's probably more like a sensible market. Like, if, you, if, if you're not going to... I mean, I, I, I've read about this before, and I, I'll try and tweet it out when when this podcast comes out, but the data sort of suggests that there are a few really excellent cornerback prospects. Like, the, the cornerbacks who go, like, top five, top ten, particularly top five, have a pretty good track record of working in the NFL. And then as soon as you get past the very best prospects, it's just complete randomness, pretty much. Like, there's cornerbacks are really hard to predict outside of the very best guys. It's a, it's a position that has a lot of kind of hit, you know, swing and miss type 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 prospects. So that the, you could very easily draft, like, three or four day two cornerbacks. And, like, ultimately, you do better to draft twice as many cornerbacks, but just take them three rounds later. And I, so I, I think the... Obviously, there are exceptions to that, and if you think you're getting really good value, then then that changes everything with any position. But I think if you're looking at it more in terms of where the Panthers might like to address it, I think there's a big gap between like the top two guys who I would consider taking in the first round, and then everyone else. Like and, unless they're falling to a point where I think it's just hard value to pass on. Like I like Diggs, I like Igbenogane, and I like Keys, but I wouldn't bet on any one of them working out, even though I think the probability is that at least one of them does. 
um so it's kind of you're then sort of rolling the dice type thing and i think i'd much rather roll the dice with slightly lower odds you know slightly worse odds three rounds later than i would you know give up consistent day two assets in what is a draft that looks to be really good on day two like if, if this was a really bad day two draft class it's different but this is a draft where you should be able to get good quality players on day two at other positions so i think if you're not going to take someone at seven or a henderson something later back you just just i'd, I'd leave cornerback for day two and I'd, I'd then just take some shots on day three would be my personal preference is, is there not something to be said for the wide receivers that we come up against in the nfc south because they're, they're pretty good and oh, yeah. do we do we need some some strong cornerback you know one and two in, in place because we're playing these guys six times a year um i, I think it, it it depends it does depend a little bit on scheme as well so it, it, if you're going to play a very zone heavy scheme cornerbacks just generally and, and unless you know they, they're not quite as valuable like if if you know if you look at like the panthers defense of 2013 which is obviously the counter example uh, to, to all the sort of you know quarterback love arguments is is that you know if you've got a defense that is not built on cornerback play at all you can actually play a very high level of defense with really poor cornerbacks you know but but you know melvin white and drayton florence weren't exactly all pros that year uh yet the panthers had one of the best defenses in the nfl um but but if you know it teams probably aren't going to be quite that zone heavy um you know sean mcdermott is the only person who is quite so insistent on playing just zone almost all the time um and he's you know, one of the best defensive coordinators in the, re- in the nfl for a reason because he seems to be able to do that and no one else can um but i, I think that the you probably do need good cornerbacks you probably need better cornerbacks than the average nfl team but it still depends far more on how you try and defend those players you know if you try and go on an island against um evans and julio and mike thomas yeah, you're going to need really, really good cornerbacks. But if what you actually do is try and base it much more around zone and you have you you try and impact the game in other ways, there are going to be downsides to that, obviously, but you can then probably get away with at least different cornerbacks. You don't need those kind of like multiple matchup guys. So, yeah, I, I think it will depend a little bit, but obviously the Panthers need cornerbacks probably more than some other teams just because of who is in the division. I think that that is definitely true. Cool, good stuff. Well, plenty for us all to look out for uh, in April um, when the draft comes around. Um, that just about wraps us up for cornerbacks. What are we going to be looking at next time then, Vincent? I think next time is the offensive line, which should be another lengthy and interesting podcast. So that, that, that'll be one to look forward to. Good stuff. Looking forward to it already. So uh, please do uh, subscribe, like, comment, review and all that good stuff wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, do give us both a follow on Twitter as well. I'm at Royal Riot UK. And Vincent, where can people contact you? I am at V Richardson 444. Fantastic. Thank you very much. That's all from us. Uh, but do join us next time on the Great British Drafting Show. American thing is with British accents, but never mind. Um. <laughs> hey guys, Nikki Wolf here, host of One Day Contract. If you like this show, then check out our show, One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show, where each week we're joined by a new personality that we've signed to a one day contract to join the show. 
Join myself and Josh Klein. That's right. It's me, Josh Klein. I'm the managing editor of The Riot Report. My favorite guests have been, I don't know, we've had former players Al Wallace. We've had Mike Rucker on the show. We've had Bill Voth. He was the worst. We had Jonathan Jones. He was okay. We had uh, Jordan Rodriguez. He was fantastic. Joe Person was great. He drank beers. Uh, I'm trying to think of other guests, but I feel like whoever I didn't mention, probably going to be upset. That's true. Also, Colin Hoggard. Deck builder. Professional deck Deck builder. builder. And fan of the Panthers for my entire life. Lifelong Panthers fan. Check us out. One Day Contract. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe, rate, love us. Give us a listen. I like donuts. Donuts.